coming-of-age tales are as old as storytelling itself. They provide an outline for a universal journey that everyone will take at some point in their lives in an attempt to define themselves in relation to the world around them. What are the common threads to this timeless genre? What makes these tales so universally appealing? Why do some experiences ring truer than others? Join the Bonsai Boys, Jay and Travis, in this four-part series as they explore the coming-of-age genre through examples in film, television, literature, and music. So, Jay, um, I want you to think about, I want you to go into your archives of your brain, of your memory, and I want you to think about all the high schools that come up in pop culture, whether it be TV shows or movies or comic books, okay? And then I want you to decide, make a definitive choice on which fictional high school would you most like to go to? Ooh. Oh, and you can't, you can't hem and haw about it because we are on air, my friend. Live. Live. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm under the gun. Under the gun. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Yeah, that's it. Talk most, it out. Stall it. Stall it. Talk about yeah, the I'm criteria. Gonna, well, I'm going to chew it. I'm, <laughs> I'm chewing on it. I'm going to chew on it a little bit. Um, I'm not Okay, it's going to take us some thought because most of the high school uh, uh, movies or TV shows or whatever, like talk about Freaks and Geeks or even... Uh, you know, like we were talking about Ready Player One, some of the high schools in, in some of the John Hughes movies, <clears throat> they kind of sucked. Yeah. It's like for, for guys like, like me and you, um, it, it wasn't easy. Any, any high school would, would be kind of hard, you know, because we're not like, you know, the Ken doll athletic, you know, type. So oh, burn, Jay. if you're one of those burn. dudes... I was speaking for myself, huh? I'm 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 Spoiler. a solid I'm a five nine uh uh brillo haired uh Adonis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know every high school's gonna be tough. So I'm trying to think. Yeah, do you go for aesthetic? Like, what's the best? I mean, high school's going to suck regardless for people like us. Uh, well, my high school was, was was actually, high school years were great. But in the sense of pop culture world, like, people like us typically would be the burnout kind of crew or the nerd crew or whatever it is. So you're right there. So do you go through a, a, for aesthetic? Like, like the Riverdale High School, which seems to be, like, set in, like, some some man leather bound mahogany um uh sky lounge bar <laughs> or or do you go for something that just seems down the middle as you're thinking i'm gonna throw out a couple of, of mine right so right off the bat okay. you talked about my adonis qualities no um we talked about you mentioned some things <laughs> and i called more i called my let's just let's just go on this a little bit more um we talked about my 5'9 Brillo-haired statue. So immediately off the back, I try to find my equivalent in there as far as, wait, who who was able to survive that? And I went, so one of my choices, I have two, would be um, uh, uh, John Adams High School uh, from Boy Meets World. Um, oh. Corey okay. Matthews. Oh, Corey Matthews uh, made it through there, you know. And Corey Matthews and I, we have this very similar uh, visual aesthetic 
uh, were both kind of down the middle in those years. Uh, there's a, there's a Topanga in roaming those halls at somewhere. You have the cool uh, Mr. Feeney character who's always looking out for you. You know, he's tough. <laughs> he's tough, but he's fair. I grew up around, my parents were teachers, so I had to deal with a lot of their teacher friends, and, and I had them as teachers. I, I could navigate that world. Okay, so I'm thinking that okay. could be a, a good one. I also have another one, but I don't want to uh, step on your toes. So if you have one, uh, you can give it. Okay, so um, would would like Hogwarts be a cop out? Uh, <laughs> no, um, I'm a, I'm allow it. I'll allow it. It's a fictional it's a fictional high school, a wizard school. Uh, I don't know if uh, major state universities are going to accept a degree from Hogwarts. That's your problem. I mean, you're really going to have to end your school years at a high school level. If you're okay with just having a high school degree, which you probably couldn't show <laughs> to any, you probably couldn't show that to anyone. It probably like disappears. Well, the, ink, the ink disappears when you show it to a muggle. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they have like a like a like a fast track to a, a Ministry of Magic career. So I'll just you know I'll just jump on that and uh, see where it takes. None me. of that made sense to me. What's a Ministry of Magic career? Is that a thing? Ministry. Oh, Ministry of Magic. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Oh sorry. I, I for some reason I thought you read it. Big, um, I'm not a big yeah, pot, yeah, I'm not a big pothead. I've seen some of the movies and I read two of the books. Yeah, it's like their little uh, uh, like the magical like government like their little ruling government building kind of thing. It's where they go to like they make all the rules and the administration. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Real society. What what house would you be in? What house would you want to be in? So yeah. Well I am uh, uh Hufflepuff. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't know you had this was already predetermined. You're like oh, yeah. no, no, oh, yeah. I, I am I'm a, I'm a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I'm a Hufflepuff. Yeah, Hufflepuff. Now, if you in, I don't know too much about. It. If you get sorted into a house at the Hogwarts School for Magic, um, uh, is that a K through twelve program? Yeah. Okay. So once yeah, you get selected into your house, you're in that house K through twelve. Has there been anyone who's done a house switch? No, no, not that I've. Be Not careful, be careful, Jay. There's those potheads are 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 will, I know, will come listening. down on you. They're like, mm, actually, in um, uh, uh, Ring of Fire, uh, the, uh, the short story <laughs> written by Antoine Fisher, the uh, uh, seminal uh, author of uh, uh, J.K. Rowling fan fiction, uh, he actually <laughs> put someone in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ring of Fire, not to be confused with the uh, Johnny Cash biography. Yeah. yeah. Right. I <laughs> fell into a Hogwarts ring of fire. <laughs> Welcome to the Pop Bonsai Podcast. Bonsai! Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I am Travis, and across from me is Jay, and we are the Pop Bonsai Boys, the Bonsai Boys in the house. Not to be confused, the Beastie Boys, the Jerky Boys, help me out, Jay, the Trailer Park Boys, Trailer Park Boys, 
the the Newton boys, the the Lost Boys, the Lost Boys. Although I do consider myself a bit of a Lost Boy, Jay. Oh, like like Peter Pan or like the vampires? Uh, I think they're both the same. The script for Lost Boys was actually first written as a dark Peter Pan. Yeah, You're kidding? That Are you was kidding? the take. No, no, it had been around for like a good, like I think fifteen or t- fifteen plus years before it was actually made i think they've been trying to make that movie since the 70s and it really started off as that really looking at it as a dark take on peter pan don't fact don't fact check me on that but i will fact check myself as jay tells (laughs) us uh as jay explains what we're doing here in the pop bonsai podcast and what specifically we're doing on this episode okay so this is part uh three of our coming of age set and we've been talking about coming of age stuff we've talked about uh we talked about freaks and geeks what else do we talk about um freaks and geeks and city of god city of god yeah yeah how how can i forget that um great stuff uh all about you know uh growing up uh, two completely different takes and um we on our third installment, we're going to be talking about the uh, 2006 novel by uh, Frank Portman, aka Dr. Frank, uh, called uh, King Dork. And this, I, this will be my second time reading. I read it when it first came out, um, long time this ago. This will be my and... first time reading it. I'm actually reading it right yeah, now as Jay speaks. I finished the first paragraph, so by <laughs> the end of the episode, I should be past chapter one. No. <laughs> Cliff notes are, are <laughs> running around, getting thrown around. But so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, um, you know, I figured Travis and I are both huge Mr. T Experience fans. and Huge. We were trying. Yeah. Oh, gosh. We love Mr. T Experience. Oh, okay. So uh, let's start off there. Okay. Have you ever uh, seen do, wait, do, wait, do you? Do we do you want to do a well, should we say the summary of the book for uh, after the Mr. T Experience? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. 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 Jay, great choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, man. I'm, I'm, instead of saying okay, I'm instead like, of uh, saying okay, I'm just gonna be like OJ, 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 OJ. That's gonna be my new thing. <laughs> We're adding vernacular to the podcast. OJ, always changing, always be evolving. So. Tell me about about your uh, your Mr. T experience journey. So, Mr. T experience. Uh, for me is, uh, I still consider it one of my favorite bands of all time. I put it in my top five. Uh, and we're not talking about what qualifies as best musicianship or whatever, but personally for a band, uh, a, a band that had their albums had a huge influence on me during these formative years of growing up and puberty and just post puberty in high school, this Mr. T's experience was the first one of the first bands that I really felt like I owned. You know, Mr. T's experience is it's it's just off center enough that it's a band that you discover and bring into the fold of your friends, at least at the high school that I was at, because there weren't a lot of people who listen to punk music. And even within my my friend group, uh, I was more into I don't know if I I, I don't like to consider uh, Mr. T's experience pop punk, but you could make an argument that it is. I think it's 
alternative punk, maybe melodic punk. I guess pop punk for me um, was uh, consumerized way after I went to high school in like the early 2000s. And I don't like that, like yellow card type stuff. And I think they, they fall like into Warped that. Like Warped Tour. Yeah, yeah, Warped exactly. And I, I don't think, I think Mr. T's ex- experience uh, isn't more deep than that. But for me, these songs were just so damn jaunty, so much fun, uh, and so basic and pure in a way that was like, I can do that. So one of the things I'm going to be talking about in this podcast, because that's relative to the book, is being in a band in high school and what that means to your identity, uh, what that means for your friendship, and what that means for like your, you know, we talked a lot about identity so far in coming of age, about establishing that identity, trying on different identities, and what being in a band does for that. And Mr. T's experience was that band that was like, oh, I can do that. And they're, they're singing about stuff that is both melodic and just post-puberty. The imagery they created was, to me, enrapturous. And I, you know, when at that point, that was around like 98, when I think I started getting into them. So a little bit, they've been around since the 80s, but like 97, 98. And that's when a lot of like stuff like Tool and Incubus and all those bands were coming out. So all my friends yeah. were kind of getting into that scene and I was pulling further and further more into the the queers, the uh the screeching weasels, the lag wagons, the Mr. T's experience. And to me Mr. T's experience was from their album art cover to the name of their songs uh it was just was just that I remember every album that I bought, I would just listen to over and over and over again. Um, and that really is the rhythm, the driving beat of that sound is my high school experience to me. Wow. Interesting. <clears throat> I don't think I, I how, so how did you first hear of them? That was actually when my sister was four years older than me. And I typically got my music taste from my sister, but my sister got it from her cool friends. So my sister wasn't really that into music, but they would make her mixtapes. And they come back from college and one of her friends, we were driving to go play laser tag. They let me like, we're gonna go play laser tag. So we're driving this place. And this guy, this kid named Carter, uh, went to school in the States, went to school in Seattle you know, college freshman in, in Seattle. And so he'd come back and he knew a bunch of these, these bands and uh, he put on a tape and it had Miss Cheese experience. And I was like, immediately like hooked. I was just like, that wow. is dope. I think it was loincloth and ashes yeah. is, is the song that I remember first hearing. Um, uh, and I was just like, Oh, are all their songs like this? And yeah, sure enough. <laughs> Nailed it. Nice. What nice. about you? Um, I just discovered them through, um, after I read the novel, I said, who is this Frank Portman and (laughs) what else has he done? I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Is he related to Natalie Portman? I love Natalie Portman. (laughs) Um, I think I, I first remembered hearing that name just like on the back of, um, an operation Ivy cassette that I had uh, off of energy 
and they thanked all you know crimp shrine green day screeching weasel operation all those Ivy. look out um, uh, or not Gil- but, those uh, gilman Mr. bands yeah 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 all the gilman or it was either that or green day one of the those two records had mr t experiences so i just went and bought it and and heard it. i'm like wow that's really really good you know i think one of the things that really stood out to me about them was it was really the music was really catchy and it was fast but it was kind of like uh uh how should i say like it wasn't like super like precision tight like like the ramones yeah it was kind of like uh kind of ramshackle thrown together mm-hmm. but it was still really especially the really early stuff like yeah that, well, that's that's just your way of saying no just your way of saying no i ask are you yeah it's just re- repeating very repetitive uh psycho girl that 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 yeah. psycho girl psycho <laughs> girl just a psycho girl and it's like it's so basic and so so uh uh simple yeah yeah but you know with that but it was still you know it was still hard enough that that you know wasn't mellow enough to like you know people who liked you know the whatever was popular back then i don't even know it was chunky Um, it was chunky like I was just singing Mary Moan. <laughs> Mary Moan. Donna. But it is. It's just like there's a there's a mix of that alternative 80s rock, like violent femmes in there a lot. You know, there's there's some of that. And then a lot of the Ramones. Um yeah. yeah. But lyrically, lyrically, it was completely different than anything I've ever. That's what really hooked me was was just the lyrics you know how funny and smart they were it's like it's like if steve martin was in a punk band and he had the right lyrics you know pretty much pretty much because it's like you can enjoy it on so many different levels you know because you know when they throw out certain things you're like oh gosh that's so clever but otherwise you could just enjoy like the overall theme of the song you know like you know like you're saying like sackcloth and ashes or um, dumb little band yeah. or whatever you just you don't, you don't catch the band. fun little word plays yeah you know? so what is your uh what other albums are are i <clears throat> we'll we'll touch back with them but what are some of your uh what's your uh go-to album or song making making things with uh, light? milk McLemonade. i was gonna say making things with light but that was that came out s- slightly before i got into them that the record that that had come out like was Milk Milk Lemonade. So um, I I got into it with probably their the most well known album or certainly their most produced album. Even though uh, recently, as they're because they're he's revisiting and remastering all these albums, Doctor Frank is uh-huh. right now. Uh, he has uh, a couple of them already re, uh, re- remixed. You know, leveling them out. But Revenge is sweet and so are you. That was ninety seven. And so that's like their, you know, you know, with she's coming over tonight. It's it's certainly the most probably they've learned their lessons. But then I think I got everyone's entitled to their uh it was everyone's held their own opinion type thing. Uh-huh. Night and that uh-huh. early album, that eighty six album, that's really good. That's where I was like, Oh, I could be in a band. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's like you know, the way 
he writes his lyrics you're like gosh you don't have to like dumb it down so much Mm -hmm. you know you can be clever and and it's not just like you know it's not like uh, like you know you're not gonna find your truth in these songs but what you do is you find somebody it's like you know when when i was young i was like gosh and and i rarely do this but i i'm like I want to meet this guy. Yeah. I want to talk to him and, and, and sound with him and, and talk to him and see, you know, that's what his lyrics make you want to do. It seems like a lot of his lyrics are very insider jokes. It feels like between him and yeah. his friends, like let's make a whole song about this. I look up and see a skyscraper. Yes, I do. I look down and see my foot and then I see my shoe. I look up and see the sky. <laughs> I look down and see the ground. I look at you and sing a song about. It's almost Sesame Street like. It's almost uh-huh. uh and there there is a a a positivity and just like this has got to come out and it's silly, but we're all here. We all have instruments. Let's just let's and they're such earwigs. They just get stuck in your head. Um, and I was all, I'm always very much on the light side of, of music when it comes to, uh, there are certainly, I love songs that, that really cut you deep and make you think, but when it comes to a soundtrack to puberty, I don't, I don't want to think about, well, this is an interesting idea uh, of Miss Cheese Experience. One of the things I think Miss makes Miss Cheese Experience such a great puberty coming of age band is because the themes and the sounds aren't deeper than the experience you're having. It undercuts, you know, you know, when you're listening to, to Tool at 14 or 15, you're forced to think about uh, these issues that are well past you that you really maybe aren't ready to wrap your head around. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, yeah. as opposed to just having something there an energy as opposed to a thesis statement at 15. I don't need to listen to a thesis statement or a fucking beat poet. You know, uh, that comes later in your life. Like that's like when you get into like Dylan and Tom Waits in college, but that's, (laughs) that's where my brain is ready for that right now. I just want something to bounce down the halls to. Right. Yeah. Right. And, And the thing that also that, uh, I thought was so different was their self-depreciating humor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, what a relief that these guys aren't yeah. trying to be like the tough I'm, guys. I'm going to shave know? off my beard and I'll try not to act so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so the lead singer from that and kind of really the, the fulcrum of that whole band there, they're, I, I'm sure yeah. I don't want to undercut people in that band and they had some changing members, but is, a guy named Dr. Frank, a.k.a. for this novel, a King of Dork, Frank Portman. So, Jay, will you give us a, a kind of general summary of this book? Um, Sure. So it starts off uh, with <clears throat> a kid in high school named uh, Tom Henderson. And Tom Henderson is, uh, well, uh, I guess not to put too fine a point on it, but he's kind of a dork. And he doesn't have a lot of friends. And he's he's got uh, one friend uh, named Sam Hellerman, and they are always uh, they're trying to form a band, and um, trying to form a band. And if you need help, you tag me in. School. If you need help, you tag me in. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, just if I miss anything, let me know. Yeah, yeah. 
um, they're, they're just trying to get through high school with their heads down, you know, and, you know, they get picked on and it's until, okay. So trying to, they're just trying to coast through and they, uh, the, the, the main guy kind of falls for a girl at a party and he then tries to find her and she, she it, it proves a lot more difficult than than it ends up needing to be and then um there's a like a, a mystery about his father who died mm-hmm. uh before the story before the story even starts uh his father was di- died and there's a story about that whether he was murdered or was yeah. suicide or whatever so that's kind of i got you jay i got overall. you overall yeah okay, it is okay, it's, it's so basically about the, the this this guy uh navigating his high school experience he's like about a sophomore in high school and it's really set parallel to a, a key feature in this book called catch the book catcher in the rye um this is a book that kind of yeah. that kind of guides the structure and also the the tone of the book as far as this first person narrative that we're getting from this high schooler. So this first person narrative follows this kid struggling. He's he's young, looking for his age. He's struggling to fit in. He has this friend. They they start these bands that they don't that don't really go anywhere. But the, and the whole time he finds this <clears throat> library this uh, library of his dead dad's books that are all kind of like coming of age books, uh, you know, all these kind of seminal works that you have to read throughout your, your grade school. So that thing is happening. Meanwhile, while that's, while he's kind of looking back into his past and trying to figure out who his dad is through his dad's library of books, he's also trying to navigate girls in high school. And so as uh, Jay said, uh, you know, he he meets this girl. There is a brief tryst, and he's trying to locate this girl. It's a real kind of glass slipper uh, kind of story here. Yeah. Um, he he is trying to survive high school. He's navigating the fields of popularity, and he's navigating a relationship with his English teacher, Mr. Tioni, who features heavily in this story uh, and the mystery and the ultimately the climax of this story. So what we're looking at is a first person coming of age novel set in the late set in the late 90s that includes a lot of the tropes that you would expect from a Bill Dung's Roman, a.k.a. a coming of age novel, uh, but in a much more uh, modern setting and a much more. Uh, I will say punk rock cultural standpoint. So uh, a lot of the tropes, but just from a different lens, not a comic book nerd, not a geek, but just someone who's again, trying to discover his identity. He's choosing music and, uh, bandmanship as his vehicle but he's also learning about literature and uh girls and uncovering this mystery yeah that was far better put than what i said no. i just kind of stumbled <laughs> you, i will say jay jay i don't know if you mentioned it he is under the weather today i saw him as he was giving the summary i saw his nose get redder i saw his his probably melted brain uh like going for i'm like we got this jay we got this <laughs> <clears throat> yeah oh jay uh, thank you I'm, I'm a little bit ill um 
So yeah, all I said was uh, he was kind of a dork. So can I start off? I guess you could say he's a king dork. <laughs> he's a king dork. Uh, he's a king dork, which is also an MTX <laughs> song. Did we talk about Miss Cheese experience yet? I blacked out there for about fifteen minutes. And now I sound like Kermit the Frog here. I want to say I love Mr. T's experience. Um, I want to start by talking about this. One of the things that I think works in this novel, and there are things that I think don't work in this novel, but um, one of the things that I think works in this this novel is right on Front Street, using the books that the baby boomer generation made our generation read in high school as a way to separate that previous coming of age high school experience with our main characters coming of age high school experience. So right there, yeah. I give Portman credit for laying out this field of comparison, a through line. What's similar about the generation that grew the sounds, your generation that grew up with catcher in the rye and what's similar with the generation that grew up with, um, you know, lag wagon you know and sublime yeah, and you yeah. know like the uh <clears throat> post 80s post 90s world and it allows us to to discover what never changes about navigating high school and puberty and what does change with navigating high school and puberty so i think that setup and that frame of using because he does spend quite a bit of time in a chapter explaining the setup of his classes the difference between honors uh english and regular english and ap versus regular classes and it's all to set up this yeah, world yeah. of what the baby boomers <laughs> want to impart to us from their high school experience you know uh and i thought that was really strong what do you think about that element? Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, he goes through all the, I mean, all the ones I, I mean, I read those too. Uh, uh, Lord of the Flies. Uh, we were talking about Catcher in the Rye. Separate piece. Uh, Bright, yeah, uh, Brighton Rock. I never read Brighton Rock. Which he actually liked. Um, I never read it. I'm going to after, after reading this. Yeah. yeah, me too. So... Uh, well, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about that, really let's talk that uh, for a second. What was your your favorite um, book that you were assigned to read in high school? Fahrenheit 451. Fahrenheit Bradbury, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've read that with kids. It's really good. I love, and I, as an adult, I appreciate Bradbury so much more, especially his short fiction. But he really is the mm -hmm. quintessential pop culture writer, I think, of the 20th century. Um, I and, agree. I yeah. mean, that's what kind of got me into reading because yeah. they were so short, you know, and something wicked with this paste, comes to paste. Yep. Great. Uh, paste, yeah. uh, at a very modern, one of the f first writers to paste that kind of fiction, um, at that, at that level, um, and still poetic. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. um, when the fire captain in, in Fahrenheit 451 is talking about why he burns books, for like six pages, it's some of the best prose in in uh, American literature, and it's very American too. Mm. Um, on How there. about you? Um, it's it's a bit cliche. I, I um uh, uh To Kill a Mockingbird, of course, obviously a a, oh, yeah. a huge one and a bill a big Bill Dung's Roman coming of age novel. Um, less for the 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 social aspects of it and more for the narrative structure of it. Uh, and the setting of that small town that those are the places my parents were from and parts in those towns. I'd, I'd 
go to every oh. summer. And so that that spoke to me. Uh, I will also say my least favorite were um, uh, Dickens. Uh, I'm not a huge Dickens fan. I know you're a big fan of Christmas Carol. Um, not a big Dickens fan. Uh, I surprisingly did like a lot of Austin and Bronte stuff, Weathering Heights and, and Emma and, you know, uh, Sense of Sensibility, Pride, uh, Pride and Prejudice. Um, but yeah, uh, did not read Catching the Rye in college, my senior year in college. No one assigned it to me. So I'm like, I just got to read this. It was a little late yeah. at that point for me to to <laughs> to fall in love with it. I understood it for what it was. Like this character in this story, I found it kind of annoying. I mean, Holden Caulfield's supposed to be annoying, but so is this character yeah. in this book. So is our so is our protagonist in uh, King Dork. Um, God, what's his name? What's our? I know Sam. Tom. Tom. Thank you. Tom Henderson. Huh? Yeah. So Tom is is kind of unlikable character, honestly. In some ways, what do you think? A bit. What do you think? You could disagree. No, no, I, I, I think I agree. Um, so, okay. The thing First of all, I will say this. I was Tom out of all the, the coming of age stories that I've read. And this, uh -huh. this isn't my favorite, but I will say, maybe this might be the reason why this is probably the closest to my point of view of high school. As far as right. who I was in high school, what I was building my identity around, what was important to me, what was not important to me, what I wanted people to know about me, and what I didn't want people to know about me. And all those things I just said are very, in high school and post-puberty, very important decisions to make. What is my identity? How do I want people to perceive me? What are my interests? What are the interests I'm going to keep to myself? What are the interests I'm going to push to the outside world? What are my priorities as far as what is my time devoted to? And also, what is the language that I'm going to use, you know, um, on there? All those things. And Tom, out of uh, the books that I've read, probably comes the closest to who I was in high school. And I love... Frank Portman, I think he does some wonderful things in this, but I think if the character of Tom and this story was hand handled by a, a little bit more experienced prose writer, uh, then this would have been top of the heat for me. Because the world is there, your 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 story is there, your protagonist is there. I love the approach. The execution suffers a little bit, but uh, I will say that I did see myself a lot in this narrator. Who okay, I just called so that, annoying. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's, okay, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. <clears throat> so, what what did you find annoying about? Well, it? honestly, and, and this, were the things you wish you could change about hey, yourself? Jay, let me. I'm just go ahead and lie down this couch. I, I just bought this new leather couch. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and lie down on it. And uh, I'm not going to look at you when I when I talk to you, but you are taking notes. On this. <laughs> You're taking notes on this, right? Always. Uh, so, I, Jay, <sighs> I think that maybe. Uh, this is a maybe it's too close of a mirror. I liked who I, I think I like who I was in high school, but maybe seeing it through this lens, um, as I, I feel that I don't like the character of Holden Caulfield. I'll hold that up as one of the most more annoying characters in literature, 
And because Tom, in by I think purposely done, shows that he is very much that Holden mindset, right. that grumbling holding hold the mindset. It made me think about like, oh, was I that too? Was I just this putting on this air of just like uh, apathy and but secretly caring a shit ton? Uh, right. And the answer is probably yes, Jay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's one thing that you see in stuff like this when the character puts on that that facade of of uh, indifference or you know uh, arrogance, but secretly you know is 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 wanting acceptance. You know, you, you build this whole persona on not caring, but. It's the poser. Thinly it's, veiled it's, with it's, wanting. We talked yeah, about this yeah. before. It might have been on the podcast we did, the first podcast we did for that when we were talking about 70s punk uh, in in, in uh, England. But we talked about the worst thing you could be was a fucking poser. That was the worst <laughs> thing. You can call me an asshole. You can call me a dick. You can call me a bastard. You can call me a motherfucker. But if you call me a poser, them's fighting words. Right. And it was right. probably fighting words because it c- cut deepest. Because that's who you are at that age. You're all posers at that age. You're trying. Yeah. We talked about this before with Freaks and Geeks uh, uh, and City of God. You're trying on identities. You're trying on personalities. Uh, and in order to have the freedom to do that, you have to be okay with being false. Because you fake it till you make it, right? Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting that you say you're trying it on. And I think a lot of people find their fit a lot quicker than others, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, who, who, especially, like, what kind of people do you think they fall? What do those people look like now in their in middle age? The people who found their fit early in life? Well, that's what's... You, I mean, Jay's smiling. I mean, that's kind of sad. That's kind of sad because usually... Usually they're like the same. Yeah. Usually like the you know they're the same dudes that you know they they, they found the fit early did, on. Did they find it, it or so well they kept it? Did they find it or did it or did they just not explore? Well, see that's the thing. Once you find a good fit, why explore anymore? True. You True. found it. You know it it feels good. Everyone around you seems to like it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once you just grow out of high school, college, then you just kind of. You know, I, I don't know. You become blind to what other people think at that point, and that's that's your thing, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, what about in this story? So we we kind of talked about this this main character and and who he is in this world. Um, he's got different relationships. One with his mother. He's got a little sister. He's got a stepdad. He's got a relationship with a dad that builds that he never that he never that his dad died that he he builds up through this literature he's got his best friend sam uh he's got his teacher mr tioni uh he's got fiona and then he's got deanna who is another girl he Uh, meets that kind of services a need of his as he goes along which of those (laughs) relationships did you find that rang rang the most true for you as far as a relationship that you would have in this kind of coming of age tale Honestly, <clears throat> the one that kind of stuck with me was the relationship he had with his stepdad, 
with mm-hmm. uh, little big Tom, little big Tom, because yeah. Uh, because he, the guy just tries, you know, he tries and tries and tries and, um, Tom just doesn't want to let him in. He just doesn't let him hey, in. Hey, Jay, I want no. you to do me a favor. I want you to lay down on that couch for a second. You mind? I'm going to get off. You want to <laughs> lay down on this one? You, you comfy? Um, let, yeah, me, yeah. let me ask you a question. You grew up a, in a single parent household with your mom. So I'm I sure do. your mom uh, at times would go on dates and things like that. So you might not have had a stepdad. I don't know. Uh, but you might have had stepdad figures periodically in your life. You think that's why you connect to this big Tom character? You know, I think you may be right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jay. Our time something. is up. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> uh, I was getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I just, I, it, something about it just rings true. Just the, the, the treatment of him, you know? Yeah. I think so too. I like that. I like that. That's a fun character. He comes in both, both these, the, the parental figures in here are represent representative of this baby boomer generation who my parents were as well. They were of that generation there in their mid seventies. Now mother has a birthday this, this month. Happy birthday, mom. Um, she always listens to the podcast. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Is it pop, <laughs> pop bubble gum? Are there. you doing the pop bubble gum podcast? Yeah, mom. Actually, that's a better <laughs> title. Thanks. Um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, so that the parents are representative of that, of, of that generation. And, um, there is a big disconnect. You know, my parents were born in the 1940s and I, and went to school in the 1950s and I'm going to school in the 1990s. I mean, imagine what a big disconnect that is. And, I do like how the parent figures in this book are of a certain age where they give him a lot of freedom uh, and only react to him when, you know, they make him go to therapy. Uh, they're concerned about his his well-being, which is very of that gener. You know, we when those parents start getting concerned about that. I thought that was a, a realistic display of that. And also uh, our character of Tom, making sure creating two identities like there's that his identity was sam and then there's the parents and it's just like let me let me play the part okay so i can i can do that thing let me let me do this so i can do this and 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 i i felt like that really rings true is that there very is because you're leaving that world in a bildung's roman in a coming of age story you're leaving that world which is just your parents and you and your family and you're exploring friends and testing the waters but because all your nature versus nurture needs are met at home, you can't completely ignore in a healthy relationship that part of it. Cause that is your food, your shelter, your, your love, unconditional love. That's all there. So you have to create these split personalities. How many of us would never cuss in our house, but as soon as we left that room, like on the on the bus or in the lunchroom, like, yeah, fuck that or this or this shit, you know, yeah, yeah. is creating those split identities. It, it is dipping your toes into different personas as we go, as you go along, you know? Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully one of, the, you know, someday those two personas come together. Yeah, well, one of the ways I've, I, as an adult, I've made a, in the last... 15 years or so, I've made it a point to 
be not like open. I don't tell my parents stuff, but I act the same way. So I don't That's, hold back my yeah. swearing. You know, it, when I was big in this cigarettes, I wouldn't, you know, like go sneak cigarettes. I'd be like, hey, my mom, this is horrible. I'm smoking this, but I'm going to smoke a cigarette. And my whole thing is lately in life, especially as they are older, I don't want my parents to die without knowing who I truly have become. And that will change as my life goes on, but I don't want them to leave this world. Because if I was a parent, I wouldn't want that of my kid. I wouldn't want my kid to be holding back. There's some things you don't want to be like, mom, smell my fingers. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but like at the same time, you don't want to uh, them to have to ever really get to truly know who you are in those in those ways. All right, we, let's get off the couch. Yeah. Let's go talk couch, talk about some fun stuff. One of the things <laughs> that I know we really like about this book and a really great device in this book is Tom and Sam want to be in a band. In fact, they claim they're in a band through mu much of this book. And this rang so true for me. Uh, as someone who was in multiple high school bands, it's always the idea of the band... There's more time spent on the idea of the band than actually being and performing in the band. Right. Uh, right. And so throughout this novel, Sam and Tom are constantly changing their band names, which rings very true. And also coming from Frank Portman, who Mr. T's experience may be one of like the better punk rock band names of all time. <laughs> uh, the Misty experience. Uh, I want that. If I, I was like, perfect, this is what I want. That name always fascinated me, so I love how he spent so much time. These characters are always changing up the names of their band, and then they take it one step further. It's not just the name of the band. Then they create personas, kind of like the Cramps, right? Like Poison Ivy and uh, Lux, you know. Uh, they, you know, so it would be like Poison Ivy on vocals and cheese shredding, uh, so there's all so well done on there. And I think the yeah. best running joke throughout the, the novel that separates it from other, oh, yeah. other novels of its time. I totally agree. I totally agree. And then the names of the first albums, you know, album cover will be this first album, you know, but I, again, I totally agree. it goes back to that idea of identity in these coming of age. It's you're always projecting into the future even when I was in high school and I was having a good time, like, I can't wait to get the fuck out of high school and go to college. That's when my life's going to take off. That's when my life's going to take off. So on a mini level here, Tom and Sam are living in the future. It's like, here's our band name. We can envision ourselves shredding on, uh, on guitar and this before they even have instruments. They're doing this stuff. It's they're creating identities that they want to have but they're subverted subculture identities. It's like they're taking, because they are the geeks, they are the nerds, they are the... Uh, I like how they describe him as young, skinny, scrawny, and young for his age as a sophomore. Because I was very much like that as well. I looked like a sixth grader in, in sophomore year. You know? <laughs> and so it's... You can... You have two choices. You can fight against that and hold yourself up as like this. And we've all met those guys who do that, who are like, no, man, like back. To you're like, what are you doing, man? You look like you're fucking nine years old. <laughs> or you can lean in to your goofiness 
And that's what I did. Uh-huh. And that's what uh, uh, our characters do in here. It's like, okay, this isn't going away. We're, we're young looking. We're goofy. We have weird tastes. Let's lean into it. And you see that come to a climax at the talent show performance in this novel. So they're talking about all these bands. Finally, they get together. They get themselves a drummer. They're going to perform at this talent show. They've got their, they spent so much time on their wardrobe. They've spent so much time on the band name and their identity. It's like Mao's Revenge or something with Mao or, or something like that. Some kind of combination of that. And they go full eccentric and full just, I don't give a shit. This is who I, they go full punk rock. Uh-huh. And they get a taste of just being themselves on stage, whatever being themselves is. Because, you know, they're still posing at this point, you know. Um, and that's a really fun scene. I, when I was a freshman, my first band, Everyone Your Mom, was the name of the band. Great name. Uh- it was that it was gonna be that or there was always there's always room for more jello or everyone your mom my band wanted to call it ludicrous at the point and i had to fight with them like there's a rapper called ludicrous it was before like you could just like search stuff on the internet on your phone and shit (laughs) and so they're like no there's not like ludicrous like there's a rapper called ludicrous and so my friends were like they they went and asked like some of the more hood kids like is there a rapper called ludicrous and they're like yeah and they're like oh damn like Everyone, your mom, it is, my boys. Because <laughs> I always thought it'd be fun to see, like, who played, uh, who was at the show last night? Well, everyone, your mom was there. That's funny. Yeah. I, yeah, I never had a band. I never had a high school band. Ah, uh, you would have been perfect for a band, dude. Think so? Yeah. yeah. I roadied. I did roadie work for a lot of my friends' bands, but I was never in any. Yeah. Jay Castro shredding tears on the guitar. um one thing i thought is interesting that you said um about leaning into the weirdness leaning into what makes you different i find that because see i was kind of like a i i i would never that didn't even mind to do that i i totally felt like Authentic. something was wrong yeah I, I felt like something was wrong like i'm like why don't i like all this stuff like why can't i just be normal and, and watch football and i'd sit there and i'd watch football and i try to get into it and i'm like i don't understand this to this point i still don't even know how to actually play football. well jay the problem was you're watching you know. football you need to watch football oh bro. yeah 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 i know that they were like the, the black and white ball confused me yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so it's like i i always tried but i i just you know and i always thought i was like gosh my life would be so much easier if i could just like this stuff why, what, why can't i just like it interesting you know? that's interesting because i don't think that's where this care i think we, we we just gave our two different perspectives like i was very much like oh i see what the established is and i can already tell like one based on my physicalness and the stuff that I, I kind of like that I'm not that. How can I make my way? How can I how can I have value? How can I have clout? Other than that, we're a couple of years apart, so it might have been easier for me. Um, we'll probably have about five year difference in when we went to high school. 
Uh, and that and, and, and important five years, that mid '90s five years, where yeah. uh, absurdity and eccentricity and uh, more types of diversity in personas was allowed. Um, yeah, that that's a big factor in that. I think maybe if you had gone to high school five years later, you might have seen more examples of how. Because I was able to look at people four years older than me who had taken that weird route, you know. Uh, and the freaks, if we're going to go back to our freaks and geeks route, and it wasn't yeah. like you were freaks that weren't unpopular. Freaks were, was a value. There was a value in uh, being a freak, but you had to be yeah. a real freak, you know? And so I, I put on the costume and I liked, I gravitated. Don't get me wrong. I naturally gravitated towards that stuff. I looked around and, uh -huh. you know, I played sports, not good. I, I could have gone that route. I would have been great at it. It's like, can can I be second string if I go this route, or I can be first string if I go the weird route? Mm. You know. Mm. So if I go that jock, popular kid, popular music type of route, I'm going to be second string because it doesn't feel natural, and it's it's not where my natural talents lie. But if I go this other route, this is so weird talking about this. It's like a very ugly way to talk about making a choice that felt so <laughs> that felt so organic at the time, you know. But now uh -huh. looking back at it, I could see that I made definitive choices and I and I held myself at a at a certain way. For, and there were now that I can understand there are underlying reasons behind it. It's like okay, well, let's talk about that King Dork. What do you want to be? Do you want to be the gesture of the jocks or do you want to be the king of the dorks? Oh my God, Jay, yeah. that's so prof That's fucking profound, that's, you Jay. You hit something. You touched I it. felt that you right here. Right I felt that right yeah. here, Jay. Do you want to be gesture of the jocks or king of the dorks? Wow. Let's just stop the podcast right here, Jay. I don't want to <laughs> top that. Um, I don't think so. And for me, it was, it was king of the dorks. Interesting. Interesting. See, I, I just felt like I, I didn't have a choice, you know? Jay, lay, had, lay back down on that couch. Lay back down on that couch. You comfy? I want to tell you something. Sure. Jay, sure. I'd be Maybe. friends with you in high school. I'd be friends with you. I appreciate school. that, Travis. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had friends. I, no, no, Jay. Did, did, no, 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 Jay, Jay. You didn't have any friends in high school. You were a complete loser. <laughs> abandoned. That's, I would I just take you admitted, into but... my fold. I'd hold you close, like a like a a Vietnam comrade, and I bet <laughs> I go. Your blood, Jay. Your blood. <laughs> it's gonna be OJ. It's gonna we, be OJ. We get through this. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, anything else about the the band parts of it, as far as the band names or anything like that, because I know that was a fun part. I don't want to. Band names, um, just the music in general. I thought one of the things that was really interesting about it is that he listened to like 70s rock, you know, that's what he was really, you know, that he talked about. I mean, I could be mistaken, but he talked about stuff like Thin Lizzy and ACDC and Sweet, and um, you know, I thought that was really funny because I was into that kind of stuff too, but that was because of my mom. You know, I listened to like the Stones and the Kinks and the Who and them and just because of my mom. So I thought that was a funny parallel. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're, yeah, you're probably more of that 
like you're probably right in the, I don't know how old, let me see. Uh, while I'm talking, will you look up how old Dr. Frank is? I want to, yeah, I want to say yeah, mid-50s, but go Dr. ahead. Dr. Frank, age. <laughs> it's going to give me like Dr. Frank, pediatrician at Phoenix Hospital is 37 years old. <laughs> um, 56. 56. Okay, so you guys aren't the same age, but... um. So, all right. So we, we've talked about that. Let's, let's talk about, okay. So what we, we have all that, we've talked a lot about the coming of age stuff of it, about him navigating this world, about how he's establishing identity. And so in here, you know, for a lot of, unless it's catcher in the rye or like a separate piece or some of those mid century, last century, uh, coming of age novels, it was okay for those novels to just be, ruminations on growing up you didn't need a a plot to it but with the a 90s and more modern audience typically if you're going to have a coming of age story you want to center it around a mystery or a magical school of magic Interesting. Uh, you want to have that plot so that way it works on two levels. It's not just like a Kerouacian uh, stream of conscious about growing up or a, I guess more appropriate for this story would be a Salinger rumination of, uh, of growing up or even uh, what Capote would probably do. And like, I, I, you might consider breakfast at Tiffany's a novel to be a, uh, a coming of age novel uh, told from someone who's watching someone come of age. But uh in this, there is a loose plot about this mystery about his father dies, and we don't. His mother's being very coy about the reasons his father died. In fact, he tells uh, Tom something, and then he tells his sister, younger sister, a slightly different version of how he died. Uh, and when he discovers this library, he discovers like these codes uh, written in the text, um, and we find out there is this mystery around his death and we actually find out what ultimately led to his death. And what was that Jay? Um, okay. So you sort of put me on the spot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I saw that. So his, his uh, dad <clears throat> was in a car accident. And I feel like we're about to go out... back into the summary of the story again, where you're like, Okay, so <laughs> he's got his dad, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So his dad was in a car accident, and they couldn't figure out <clears throat> if it was suicide or not, or if someone killed him because of the fact that his car was pulled over, he was in the car, and the car got hit. And I can't remember if it went over the bridge or what happened, but that's how he died. He died in a car that was parked on the side of the road and it, that got hit. Um, but I don't remember what, if it was determined, if it was suicide or murder, or if it was just, I think it just ended up, didn't it just happen that like, it just was a bad circumstance. I mean, did they ever? Yeah. I think it was like, like an accident type type thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there was there was I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we want to do spoiler alerts, but yeah, so that's if from what I remember, it was determined that um nothing, you know, it it happened and it was kind of an accident. There was no foul play involved or anything. Uh, but I I don't know, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> well, um there is uh so the mystery involves their 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 teacher, Mr. Tioni, who we haven't talked about. Uh, and I always liked that how his name was Mr. T. I know. Yeah, I, know. I love that. I love that little thing. And so <laughs> in the background of this high school, there's it's a very, you know, sexual experimentation going on. There's even some like sexual dares going on here. And we find out that Mr. Tioni has is kind of like the ringleader of this underground yeah. child porn ring, basically to to sum it up as much as possible, where he's been, you know, getting videotaping these kids, getting videotapes of these young kids performing sexual acts. And he grew up with um uh our protagonist's fa- uh, father who was a detective or a policeman. And so uh-huh. we come to find out that it is quite possible that Mr. Tioni um, was found out by um, Tom's, fa- uh, Tom's father, and, and that way Mr. Tioni actually had to take him out. Had to, had to yeah, take him out yeah. of the picture. I remember that there was, they were talking about how the, his dad's accent coincided with the time that Mr. Tioni got a new car and this and that, but, but, for, but yeah, from what I can remember, it didn't. Yeah. Nothing was solidified. Um, but oh, I, I might add, if, if I remember correctly, uh, those kids that Mr. Tioni was videotaping, it was consensual. Like, they, yeah, they yeah. They being it's still, that's still called child pornography, Jay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Jay, Definitely. lie For back sure. down on the couch yeah, again. But... You're getting your <laughs> lie back. Jay, let me ask you a question. What do you consider child <laughs> pornography? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't like totally peeping or anything like it. They knew. Yeah, yeah. And this has been going on for like generations of, of kids at the school. Yeah. So I will say this. I I think th- this novel does things well in terms of coming of age. I, I like the different lens. We look at it through as a, uh, uh, a punk rocker. Um, and, um, that works. I really like that take. As I said, I, I see myself a lot in that character. And so it, all the, all, and as I started reading it, it's all there, but it, some of this lands a little flat as far as that subplot of the dad's mystery, that's not fleshed out enough. And I honestly don't think you need yeah. that. I don't, I don't think you need that. It's, it's, he was, Portman was splitting his time between the trials and tribulations of growing up and this mystery around the, the dad. And he never fully realized either of those two, I don't think. Um, and that would be my, my, my biggest gripe about this one is, either don't split your time and just have it be about a kid who is using being a band to, to navigate the, you know, the trials and tribulations of a high school or a mystery about the death of a father. Um, uh-huh. and I, I, I just, I just feel that, that the, and I, I, it's, it sucks because I, I, 
it's not an admonishment on this book, and I would recommend this book to anyone who likes the the, the genre of coming of age novels. Uh, however, it's it just seems like Portman. I know you wrote a follow up novel to this, which I haven't read. Uh, King Dork, approximately, I want to say. Is that what uh-huh. it's called? Uh-huh. Um, yes. I'll ask if you've read that in a moment. But I feel like he's th- four or five completed stories away from telling something that's going to live on past him in literature. I think four or five. I I think the dialogue is there. I think the 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 pacing is somewhat there. I just think the story arc, the story structure of the story, this is to me it still feels like a writer trying to figure out how to write a novel. Um and to me it feels like an uh his first attempt at writing a novel because he's a writer and because he knew his his area, it worked enough. But if this had been his fourth or fifth novel, it would have gone it would have been much more centered i think does that make sense interesting yeah oh it makes perfect sense i totally agree um yeah i i i wish that some of a lot of those stories would have kind of been a little bit better defined and 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 some of the arcs better realized um so what did you think of that whole like the fiona fake fiona and like Sam Hellerman being behind the whole manipulation of all that. Well, you know, one of the big criticisms for this book is the portrayal of female female characters in this book uh, is because they are so one dimensional, dimensional, and like little sex kittens in here. And uh, yeah. right before we got on this podcast, I was like, oh, I, I'm gonna, let me check out a couple of reviews to see what people said about it and um, uh, just one line reviews and the women who women who read this were not fans of it. Cause I feel like Mr. T's experience was a popular band among women, uh, young women at the time, because it is this kind of funny bubblegummy lyrics and, and jauntiness. And there's this, there's a real sweetness to Mr. T's experience as a band that I would expect to see in his male protagonist, an adoration yeah. of these eccentric women and not a, uh, subjectication or a, uh, exploitation of these women is better word. An exploitation of these as just like blowjob machines. Um, I didn't care about the women in this, this story. They, 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 he set me up to care um and then did not deliver on that and i like the points where he's pining this hopeless romantic stage he goes through in the the story uh but i don't think it it ultimately uh works out Yeah, I that see to me that that whole Fiona fake Fiona thing that was a, another thing that just didn't quite hit it, you know, for me. Um, so yeah, it's like a lot of a lot of the things, a lot of the plates he started spinning in this in this book just kind of either. That's what it is. I mean, it would yeah. be it, it. They just kind of. Stopped spinning. It, you know, they didn't fly off. They didn't, 
nothing, you know, nothing really happened. It just kind of fell off. And I, I will say this as someone who's, I've been writing a lot more and finishing a lot more stuff and the stuff that I finish, I'm like, man, I'm like 23 more of these away from writing something that I think could be like good. That could, could have like, and oh, oh, now I'm like 18 away from more of these, like telling stories completely and finding the beats in a story. Uh, I, I find that the more I write and complete something, the closer I am to getting to that point. And I will say it's kind of tie ribbons around a lot of these things. It was so nice to see one of my teenage idols struggle with this as well. Um, as far as, you know, he's in this punk rock band that wrote these really jaunty songs that changed that helped me get through high school and so when i i see this he's written a book my first assumption like this is going to be awesome like this is going to be the best book ever it's the guy who wrote my my puberty is writing this novel and when it wasn't that there's a disappointment in there but there's also a sense of feeling like a peer in a way now where it's just like, Oh, I know where you, I, I can see where your holes are. And I've made those same mistakes before you build up something, but you don't know how to end it. So you bring in something to fill in that space to kind of take over that. But then you, you never fully count. I go. And it, so the same way that Dr. Frank through their music, his music and mystery experience, let me know, Hey, I can start a band. It also makes me be like, oh, I can write a novel. And so there was this kind of full circle-ness with that as well, even in his approach to writing a novel and the product of that, which I think stands as a novel and a a, a commercial a novel that can be sold commercially and that people would enjoy. It doesn't stand as a work of literature. The same way his music stands as great songs but not as great punk rock does that make sense i don't know i feel it feels like he's there's a sense that he's middle of the road in both music and literature but done with such pizzazz and such passion and such gusto that you can't help but admire it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Anything else about this uh, book you want to dis- discuss here before we let you take some Mucinex and crawl into bed and listen to a little uh, MTX Milk Milk Lemonade? This is where the fudge is made. <laughs> all right well ladies and gentlemen that is our third coming of age set this has been king dork i am travis uh across from me is jay and we are going to be wrapping up our coming of age set um with our next episode in which we take our discussions and what we've learned in our approach to looking at the coming of age genre through now television film 
and literature, and we're going to create a, a set list for you. Now, Jay, I, I think we're on a little bit of a delay here, so I don't know if you can hear me to have this conversation, but we talked about the difficulties of coming up with a set list for coming of age. And we just, we were talking about, do we want to do it just like punk rock coming of age? Or do we want to do it as just general songs that remind us of this from any, any genre? Jay, are you willing to commit to one or the other here right now? Or are we going to have further discussion and let them know when the, when the episode comes out? Okay. So you want to do, okay. Repeat that again. So you want to do one genre or, or no, I is a split because we, I, as I mentioned to you before I go, I can make a whole, my whole playlist picks just on punk rock coming of age songs. If we are just saying coming of age songs in general, I'm going to feel like I need to include multiple genres. So do you want to open it up to just your choice of coming of age songs? Or do we want to specifically say punk rock coming of age songs for our playlist? I'm okay with um, either. <clears throat> I really am okay with either. What? So it is your choice on what you're feeling. Okay. Well, may I introduce a third? Absolutely not. What? <laughs> so what about songs uh, that that we were uh, a part of our coming of age? A personal coming of age you know, like a playlist? Take, yeah, take it a little bit more personal. Yeah, yeah. A, a, could you say, for alliteration purposes, it's a personal puberty playlist? You can say that, and that you would be precise. All in right. Saying that. I feel like I feel like Mr. Tioni now with a personal puberty playlist. <laughs> All right, so you have it, folks. So if you are interested in Jay and I's taste, which maybe you are if you're listening to this podcast, we are going to go and give you our personal puberty coming of age playlist, uh, where we're going to. I guess I'm guessing from this, Jay, is pick songs that were important to us during our coming of age. Is that the idea? Yeah, uh, that were important to us, that reminded us of that of those times. Okay. Of, of you know, maybe certain situations. Encapsulate us. Encapsulate that, you know, encapsulate our, our coming of yeah. age. All right. And again, we are going to yes. also put onto that playlist our three uh personal theme songs. If we were going to make a sh uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. a television show, uh, I believe we got Beastie Boys. So what? So what? So what you want? I forgot what I put. Yeah. I'll listen back to it. And I forgot what Jay put, but I do remember the Beastie Boys cut. Yeah, yeah. So if you like music, you like coming of age, and you like the Pop Bonsai Boys, tune into our next podcast where we put all those things together. But until then. Jay and I will catch you on the next Pop Wave! Bonsai!